everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Well, Happy New Year, Jonathan. Happy How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. It's 2016. It is 2016. How is your year going so far? Well, for the most part, I've slept this year um, mm-hmm. because it's early on the 1st and we're recording this. Going to get it out today as well, but uh, you know, I think most of us, uh, you and me included, and everybody else, have pretty much slept the new year away, <laughs> at least until yeah. now. Yeah. Yes, I had the potential of a bad start to a new year. I spilled my coffee this morning um, on my uh, table that had two or three electronic devices and oh. some magazines and stuff. I got everything really fast, no damage that I can tell so far. Wow! But I thought, oh goodness, if this had gone another way, I might say I'm getting back in bed and no more Starting 2016 over. for yeah. me. <laughs> so. Wow, that would have been bad. Well, my wife had to uh, run a prime rib roasting pan. I know this is kind of random that we'd borrowed from a friend for Christmas uh, to back to their house this morning. They were having some family over and we had missed during the week. So while she was out, she brought me Starbucks. Uh, so my week got off or my year got off to a great start because I woke up and my wife had come back with Starbucks for me. Oh, very nice. So that, that was good. Made Jonathan happy. Anyway, well, we're going to jump into this. We've got 16 questions for the SBC in 2016. So basically 16 things that we're going to talk about that we feel that are going to be major news items in 2016. And we're going to discuss these 16 things uh, over the next half hour or so and uh, kind of look forward to, to what to expect in the Southern Baptist Convention in 2016. So start with the big event of the year. What will be the story at the annual meeting in St. Louis? This is anybody's guess. To tell you the truth, I always look and you kind of think and speculate months out, but it's really not until April that we see it. Uh, Do you, do you have any guesses? Well, I I think the story, we're going to be looking for two things. Attendance will be another story again this year Mm -hmm. uh, because it'll be kind of more in the the bread basket of the SBC. Missouri Baptists are are a strong bunch. They'll come out in force. Uh, I think St. Louis is a great destination town. I love St. Louis and uh, I'm really looking forward to going there. So I think it's pretty easy to get to yeah, for most yeah, people. Yeah, and um, it'll it'll be a fun trip for a lot of people, an easy trip, uh, especially for those from the the western states, Oklahoma, Texas, and and beyond, uh, as as well as the southern states. You know, just it's an easy drive up fifty five or sixty five or twenty four, whatever way you're coming from uh, in the south. Uh, so I, I think the attendance should be up this year. It's an election year. I think that'll be another big thing. Uh, and also the emphasis on, and we'll talk about this later, diversity and, and racial issues that have gone on in St. Louis the last couple of years. That'll also be a, a major point, I think, especially with the crossover event going on before the convention and then during the convention. I still think that's going to be a continued story. And then, you know, we got the election. That, we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but uh, that'll, that'll be a big one. Also, like you said, we don't know what's going to happen. And we also usually go into the convention thinking it's going to be one thing. And we come out of and it, it's something, it's something else. totally different. So, yeah. you know, even like the day before, we, we could be sitting there on Sunday afternoon. You know, we have kind of a an annual meeting, you, myself, uh, and a couple others. We have an annual, uh, like, lunch on right before SBC, kind of celebrate, you know, here we are, we're here. Let's have some fun this week. And uh, right. we sit around that lunch table and talk every year. And, you know, things happen and we things we never expected would happen as a result. So, it all, yeah, it always looks different. Uh, at the end of the week. And again, it's also interesting because 
as we know, most of the time, there are two big stories. There's sort of the story that is big for Southern Baptists. It's what we're all talking yeah. about, uh, whether it's a particular motion or a particular election or, or a certain entity mm-hmm. report. We're all talking about this thing. But then um, outside of us, sort of externally, the media is talking about something else, which usually has to do with one um, or two of the yeah. resolutions. Yeah, usually and so, either sexual issues or like, you know, like uh, gender or homosexual marriage, something like that, or um, racial things or something like that. So right, typically right. has so, those two themes. Yeah, so a lot of times those resolutions, which are big stories publicly to us, we all kind of say, eh, yeah, that's what we think. Um, Surprised that the the right. evangelicals are acting like evangelicals. Yeah, so it's very interesting always to see. So when we say what's going to be the big story, uh, usually there are two. There's an internal story and an external story, for the lack of uh, better terms there. All right, so that's uh, answered question number one. Number two, how will the Supreme Court rule on the ACA challenges? Uh, we talked about this last week on the, the recap of 2015, but Guidestone, others, part of the challenge on the Affordable Care Act. How will the Supreme Court rule on that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've talked about that a lot this year. We talked about it last week uh, when we were reviewing big stories of the year. It's anyone's guess. I think what we have to consider is um, if it does go in Godstone's favor, then that's that's easy. If it doesn't, then what next? And I'm yeah. sure everyone is considering that all of those uh, institutions involved in that case are. Um, of course, when the oral arguments come, we, we get an opportunity to, everyone analyzes based on questions the justices ask. And sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. It'll be in June, right around the time of the annual meeting, perhaps before, perhaps the week of, uh, perhaps after that we hear that that ruling. So that could honestly be one of the big stories of the annual meeting uh, is just how we how we process that. I agreed. And uh, that kind of leads us to another kind of Supreme Court issue here is what will be the outcome of the Title IX challenges held by Baptist colleges uh, here in the U.S. And, and Title IX, and this really has to deal with transgender issues and gender issues on college campuses. Yeah, this is a, boy, this is a tough one. I mean, I think we saw this year uh, sort of the first discussion about what changes in culture would mean for higher education. Uh, we saw that in the um, in the Obergefell case when some of the questions were asked. Uh, we People kind of started interpreting nonprofit status and, and schools, things like that, religious institutions, kind of a hint of it. But obviously, we're, that, that's just going to continue. And again, this is just another legal situation. I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think this one is a little bit more murky than the, the ACA challenges. Uh, those seem a little bit more cut and dry, and I think we'll get a definitive answer on that. These Title IX challenges, they seem to, until we get a, defer, a firm Supreme Court ruling, those kind of seem to be very ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, so it's certainly certainly one to watch. Yep, all right, number four, who will run for SBC president? Amy, tell us who's running. Um, I think it, I think you should run. You should run, Jonathan. I don't think Dr. Rayner would approve of that. So probably going to go not. out on that, that limb. Probably not. Boy. Um, as long as you can talk Dr. Aiken into nominating me. Yeah. I'll see what I can do about that. Yeah. Um, that, that, that would be an interesting, uh, podcast episode for sure. If you win that. Yeah. We could, we could live stream the celebration party from 
St. Louis on my on Periscope or something. Yes, that would be uh, very fascinating. But in all seriousness, the sparkling um, grape you, juice, the sparkling grape juice would be flowing. Yes, usually, I guess it's just after the first of the year that we start to hear about nominations. Yeah. I have no idea. I think it's anyone's guess. Yeah, a lot of us have heard rumors of a few names, but nothing's really firm yet. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Dr. Floyd, I think, has done a fantastic job, and whoever picks up the banner and the mantle from him. Uh, we'll have their work cut out for them, the progress that we've made over the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens uh, this this June. Yeah, the big, you know, the big questions that I always have, we ask a lot of questions, uh, at least you did in, in talking to, to Dr. Floyd um, before the the convention. But we are always asking questions about sort of views on things, how you're going to lead, the things I'm always thinking about when I think I head to an SBC president is how they intend to uh, pursue committee appointments uh, and nominations um, exactly how they intend, you know, they're, they're sort of a public face. So I, I really want to have an understanding of when these folks are meeting with leaders, when a lot of times, I mean, our, the SBC president ends up in the Oval Office of the White House. Yeah. Just thinking through that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and two, with the, the presidential election of the United States coming, it's, yeah. it's likely that the SBC president, whoever that may be, may be involved on the campaign trail some. Right. Um, or so, something like that, interacting with the person and then after, obviously. Um, so committee appointments, sort of public um, ability to represent, and then whether or not they're a good leader and can run a meeting. I mean, that that gets kind of missed, but that really matters. I mean, can, can you stand up in front of a group of thousands of people and handle something? Yes, we have a parliamentarian who is giving, you know, sort of um, who's, who advises and helps with the process. But the person who wins this election is the one who has to stand up there and keep order among a lot of squirrely people. Uh, so... I, th- those are my three things that I'm always looking yeah. for when I look at the nominees. Well, and also, you know, Dr. Floyd's worked with the Committee on Order of Business the last couple of years to really yeah. reshape what we're seeing at the annual meeting. So right. uh, that, that 2017 meeting, will it be a continuation of some innovation and some, you know, a different type of meeting atmosphere or will we revert back to the uh, the previous ways where it was yeah. you know, kind of a cantankerous business meeting for a couple of days? So. Um, yes. I, I think people that were in Columbus noticed a, a market difference between Columbus and Baltimore. Not to say that Baltimore was bad. It's just that Columbus was a totally different type of meeting. So, it was just, yeah, just new and different. So, yeah. All right. Number five, will there be any entity head openings in 2016? Wow. That's an interesting question. Um, man, I start out every year saying, no, I don't think so. But that certainly uh, that certainly can can shift or change, but I kind of look out there and don't anticipate anything at this point. Uh, it doesn't, there, there are no. Well, we haven't seen one come open since 2013, I believe. And I, we might've had two that year. I don't remember what year Dr. Allen was um, installed at Midwestern, but I know Dr. Moore uh, was 2013. Right. And then Dr. Allen as well. He might've been at that same year. So, I think it was, um, think but it, it, was. It, it was close around the yeah. same time. So, I mean, we had two um, kind of near one another with the ERLC and Midwestern. Yeah. And then since then, you know, we've had Dr. Platt at IMB 
in 2014. And then who knows what will happen in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I I think anytime you start thinking, oh, yeah, that one's definitely going to open. It's like, yeah, no, it's three or four more years, if that. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to speculate that things will look the same a year from now. But we'll see. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. Number six. Will the changes we saw in state conventions in 2015 continue? And this is really the reshaping of state conventions, the the reforming of the uh, restructuring of the organizations, as well as the big jumps we saw in some of the CP giving. Yeah, obviously. I mean, the restructuring has been interesting, and I'm sure other states uh, are are looking at that or are considering things like that. So I'm going to guess that we'll see a couple more states do some restructuring in the same way. The thing I'm curious about will be these jumps in giving because obviously there's excitement, there's momentum this year. Uh, It's sort of a a lot of the things we're talking about still feel new. So it's the second year, I think, that you say, okay, do we see an an increase in giving or at least the same rate? It doesn't slow down. Um, that's progress. Yeah. So I'm really, really eager to see, and we won't know till the end of the year. Yeah, that's the thing about um, that one. But, but we have to hope that that it will continue. Yeah, and also, you know, we've got a lot of state conventions that are still open with executive directors, which could change some things. So South Carolina, I think Pennsylvania, South Jersey. I'm not sure that New England has one yet. Um, Alaska. Uh, who am I missing? Maryland, Delaware. Yeah, yeah, Maryland, Delaware. Mid Atlantic Baptist Network, whatever they're going by now. Right. Um, right. So that there's another one. So you know, there's there's quite a few openings still out there, and we'll kind of see what happens. And there might right. be a few of those openings come as open as well. Well, I'm sure. Obviously, we you have so many state yeah. conventions. It's a little different. We asked the question about entity heads, but you know, there's there's only a handful. There's so many state conventions. Things just change and retirements happen and things like that. So I'm sure we'll yeah. see other openings. Uh, it's sure, I'm sure we'll see some every year. So it, it will be interesting. Again, it'll be a year from now that we're able to consider all of this. Yeah, moving to a, a more broad topic here. How do Southern Baptists respond to the issues involving Islam in the world? Boy, I, I have to tell you, Jonathan, I think this is probably one of the most important questions on the list because this this conversation is becoming so important in bigger picture, in world uh, news, in kind of national news. I think we've got to consider how we're going to relate to this. We, we have questions about, obviously, about ISIS and what our country does about that, what the world does about that. We have issues of religious liberty around the world. Yeah, refugees as well. Yeah, the refugee Huge question. Discussion. Yeah, which is just enormous. And so I think we have to, I think we have to consider two things. One is just how we're going to view this, uh, how we're going to handle them in our, in our own communities as Southern Baptists, but also how we're going to participate in sort of a broader evangelical discussion, because this is something that's going to take more than just us uh, to, to think through. And I know there are a lot of people considering this. I know there is the, the summit that's happening really soon, the meeting that, uh, was at Wheaton a little bit yeah. ago, and then the summit that's coming up yeah. following. That's been really yeah, the big. ERLC also hosted one in yeah, D.C. As well. Yeah, the ERLC hosted a discussion in D.C. So we're having some of these bigger conversations. Um, other denominations are, are addressing this. The Anglican Church in North America, they have a conference coming up in a few weeks, which they've been planning for the last year on exactly what to do uh, with the, the question of Islam. Uh, we're going to have to 
be, I think, even more proactive in having this conversation, uh, which is, is difficult because it's a, it's very complex, multi-layered, um, a lot of positions and perspectives flying around and it takes a lot of discipline to have this, have this discussion. Um, but I don't think we're going to have any choice. Yeah. It'll be certainly one to watch. All right. Number eight, how will higher education continue to change in relation to the SBC and state conventions? I, I, I mean, we've seen a lot of change over the past couple of years. Uh, Campbellsville yes. comes to mind uh, in the 2015. We also saw the issue with North Greenville in 2015. Right. Uh, and, and the South Carolina Baptist State Convention, you know, Kentucky and Campbellsville. We, we've had issues in the past in Tennessee with Carson Newman, Belmont. Uh, you know, it just it seems like every year there's a different state, different college uh, kind of going back and forth on things. You know, there were there were um, a lot going on last year in Georgia with Bruton Parker and the Georgia Baptist Convention. You know, forgot about Louisiana and Louisiana College. Uh, that's been a story for the past couple of years. Seems right. That things have kind of gotten straightened out down there. Yeah, this continues to be something that we see every year, especially in these southern states. Um, some of them have been, you know, less issues, some of them more. But, uh, you know, this is just something that, you know, what is the Southern Baptist State Convention's role in higher education? I mean, that, that's a, a discussion that continues to be had across the, the South, especially. Right. I think it's good to remember that this is in context of a larger issue, which is that higher education is changing. Oh, yeah, totally. Dramatically, just across the board in our country in general. Uh, so there are a lot of questions out there that, tons of schools are um, dealing with. I get the Chronicle of Higher Education, and it's a, it's amazing some of the things that are popping up. And what's actually incredible is some of the issues we do not have to deal with, yeah. uh, d- simply because of the nature of confessional institutions. Uh, some of the things people have to deal with uh, that aren't even on our radar screen. So I think it's important to remember we can get sort of really entrenched in these discussions as Southern Baptists, um, but this is really how we participate in a changing landscape um, of higher ed in general. So I don't know. I mean, I think, like you said, Louisiana College has had some bumps and seems to be sort of settling in. Uh, we had big news from Truett McConnell in the, at the Georgia State Convention that they're moving into kind of university status. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. that's that's very interesting. So every every state is different. Every school is different. Uh, but I think you're right. I think we'll we'll have some things sort of pop up on the scene. And then other things like these Title IX cases, how they affect um, the schools, the state conventions as they participate. Uh, it, yeah, all, always very, very interesting. I think the seminaries are going to continue to just deal with some of the same questions and, and uh, pursuits that we already are because just a totally different different animal than yeah. uh, these these state colleges um, but still higher ed changes affect us as well so yep and speaking uh, of the it, seminaries it, uh, number nine how will relocation and a name change affect Golden Gate seminary or should we just start calling it Gateway seminary you can't call it that yet it's a two-year vote yeah for well that'll be that'll change. be one of the uh, the points uh, the answers to number one what will be the story of the annual meeting that that's gonna be one yeah of them. gateway will be huge um, I'm so excited to watch this this year. I uh, have just uh, I just met by phone their uh, director of communications there 
a, a few weeks ago and had a great conversation with her. Really looking forward to meeting her face to face in St. Louis and just everything they have in front of them as they pursue this uh, really has the potential to be a lot of fun, uh, to be really great. They get this sort of opportunity to just launch this thing. Um, and I'm excited to see what they can do with it. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, obviously, like you said, that the vote is what's going to be sort of the big thing to get, get it off and running. And, uh, they get the chance to be sort of the seminary for the West. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited about, about this one. Yeah, it, it should be an exciting time for Dr. Orge and the faculty at Golden Gate Seminary. And, uh, you know, I just I, I can't wait to see what the changes just in the, the location of the seminary will mean for them. Right. So just just how that population, the difference in the population, the, the just the massive uh, amount of population as well down there in Southern California, as opposed to the Bay Area. There's a lot of differences yeah. in Southern California and, and the Bay Area. So. Uh, that'll yeah. that'll be like a, a whole new seminary, it seems. I love Southern California, so I think that we should go out and visit. Yeah, live just to, SBC to check it this out. week from Golden Gate Seminary or Gateway Seminary. Yes, from Gateway uh, Seminary. It's, it's going to yes. take a while. That'll be the story. That'll be one of the stories. Is how long will it take us to call it Gateway instead of Golden Gate? So yeah, I, I think the the fact that it'll not be by the Golden Gate will will help that, but. Um, all right, yes. moving on. Next question. What role will Southern Baptists play in the U.S. presidential election? Boy, this one. Well, based on a story I saw this week, <laughs> we're already trying to play a role. Uh, we, we've seen a lot actually go on already with uh, SBC and presidential candidates. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one thing to point out is we have a lot of candidates in the field right now yeah. who have connections yeah, to yeah, yeah. the Southern Baptist Convention from um, well, membership you know, sort of versus you know, me- yeah, employees membership. and things like that. Yeah, membership, regular attendance, all the way to a third-party candidate who has been very involved. Yes, is an uh, SBC at the, uh, at the denominational level. Um, so, so we have Southern Baptists involved in the primary itself. Certainly, by the summer, I hope we know what we're looking at. I know there's conversation that we could be headed into a contentious. A convention on the Republican side, um, but I don't. I don't really know. I think by the summer we'll have an idea. Yeah, I think things will sort themselves out. Right, uh, but we have what Ted Cruz, who is a member mm-hmm. at First Baptist Houston. At, yeah, at First Baptist Houston. Obviously, Mike Huckabee has long-standing connections yeah. uh, with the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, Marco Rubio. It is Frequent fairly attender. regular, yeah. yeah, at Christ Fellowship mm-hmm. in Miami. Um, and then, who am I missing? Are there is there another one? Well, Wiley Drake, you mentioned that one, right? Wiley Drake, who's a third party candidate for president, and obviously, most of our listeners will know him. Very involved, yeah, at every meeting. Um, Donald Trump, not a not a Southern Baptist. No, not a Southern Baptist. Okay. Southern Baptist Johnny Moore. We know, we know Johnny. Uh, is, yes. is the political advisor, uh, one of the political advisors, faith advisor for the Ben Carson campaign. Okay. That's, that's another okay. connection we have there. Uh, and there's some yeah. others, obviously, that we're just not thinking of. But, you know, there, there's a lot of Southern Baptist connections. And speaking of the Ben Carson campaign after the news this week, I, I don't know if that one will be around much longer. So um, not a good thing whenever your campaign manager and communications director resign right at the same right. time. Yeah. So, right. Right. That's um, a big shakeup. Yep. Yeah. 
so we'll we'll see how that affects his campaign and, and see what what happens moving forward in that one. So, uh, you know, a right. lot of Southern Baptists involved in this. So we'll see, you know, what what happens moving forward. Yeah, and um, and we do have some of our our sort of denominational leaders doing things to help us see these candidates. Obviously, um, at earlier in the year, the ERLC conducted a couple of interviews. Mm-hmm that happened at the SEND conference yep. uh, with Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush. Um, Ed Stetzer's been doing a blog series yeah. that has interviewed, yeah. right, that has interviewed the candidates. So uh, we're, we're getting some opportunities. We just have to really pay attention so we get sort of the answers to some important questions. Uh, because right now the field is so big that yeah. heading into primary season, that's that's a tough decision. Um, I'll give a plug again. Bruce Ashford just wrote a book, One Nation Under God, that B&H published that kind of talks about how we think about these issues. So it's, it's anybody's guess, but I think we're going to be talking about this all year long. Uh, I totally agree. And we'll see what happens in November. So, all right, moving on. Next question, number 11. What influence will Lecrae have on culture with his new book and album coming out this year? I think this is going to be huge. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, he just dropped the trailer for that. We'll put that in the uh, the resources area. I'm gonna that, I'm gonna tip my hand. That's gonna be my resource of the week. So very um, good. But you know the the new book and everything from Lecrae published with B and H. So you know it's gonna be huge at Lifeway. It already is. I mean it's one of our big things uh, for 2016. So uh, Lecrae probably one of the most well known R and B artists out there right now. Hip hop. Uh, artist, you know, been on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, all kind of stuff. So uh, Lecrae's kind of a big deal, and he's going to have a big 2016 new book, new album, new everything. You know, it, it'll be fun to watch and see what happens there with Lecrae. All right, let's look at the next one. So the issue of diversity has been something we've talked about quite a bit, uh, and we've talked about how Ronnie Floyd has really been trying to move us even more down the road in this discussion. So how diverse will SBC leadership become in 2016? More than it was. So, yes. I, I mean, it, it can't get hardly any less diverse. So um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're heading in the right path. We're, we're late on this. I think, I think we'd all readily admit that we're kind of behind and we're trying to catch right. up and, you know, I, and that's one of the things that we you mentioned. You you talked about the appointments uh, whenever we were talking about the SBC president, who the next president will be. That's a big thing, and you know we've we've seen Dr. Floyd has gone and just increased the diversity on the appointments that he's made. Uh, more diverse appointments than any other SBC president in history. So uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens uh, moving forward. I really feel that what Dr. Floyd has done is kind of a catalytic moment and it's going to kind of move us forward in diversity uh, in those appointments. He's setting a precedent as the president. And I pray and I hope that the the next president will kind of continue that forward and and keep us moving down the road of uh, more diverse leadership in the convention. Yep, I totally agree. I I look forward to our year in in review at the end of this year uh, to see how we've how we've done yeah. in that area. All right. We might have to review review these uh, at the end of the year, back in December. Uh, we'll have to come back to these and, and see if things worked out and see how, how bad, Actually how bad answer, we did. Actually answer the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, answer the question. Yeah, answer the questions. All right, number 13, what role will WMU play in the renewed discussion of missions in the church? Amy? You know, when we were talking before, you, you brought this up, and I thought that's it's a really interesting question because, as you have said, WMU has really played a role in missions education. Um, 
And with all of the changes, sort of the big stories with the IMB in the last half of the year, um, this is an opportunity uh, for the WMU to really step up and, and to do just that, to educate us more and more about missions. Um, in some ways, we've, Ed Stitzer has talked about sort of the clergification of ministry and how we sort of compartmentalize the lay church member, and then there's the pastor category, and then there's the missionary category, and that's kind of the special people. Um, and perhaps in some of that categorizing in our minds, uh, we're not really day-to-day thinking about missions. And so I think we are starting to again. Um, and I don't know. I think it's a great, I think they have a great opportunity ahead of them. Yeah. I, well, I think part of it, the changes in the church and church practice have eliminated that third meeting that missions education so often filled in the past. Right. So um, how we get that back, the missions education component and, and what we use for that will be a, a big part, and, you know, in the IMB, the focus on the IMB and everything that's going on and, and the changes that they're making at the IMB to empower more missionaries uh, of different variety, you know, that we've talked about in the past, you know, not just, you know, career service missionaries or things like that, but really interacting with people who are already really, quote, on the field in their regular jobs uh, overseas. Right. You know, how will that and, you know, and how can we educate people and train people uh, for missions work in the future. So, you know, what role will the WMU play in that? I don't know, but th- the time probably has never been better for them to step into that role. Yep. All right, number 14, moving on to another entity. What will we see from the ERLC in 2016 in the face of continued cultural changes? It was a big year in 2015 for ERLC. It, it really was a big year. And I think a year ago at this time, some of the things that have happened in culture over the last year, we could we wouldn't have predicted and so that really brings the question up, what is this year going to look like? Um, so I'm sure they are, are preparing as they always are, uh, but they've served as a resource for churches. And that's, that's really their, one of their primary roles. They have two or three things, but one of their primary roles is to really help us kind of wade through these waters. And uh, I, I don't think they're going to have any rest from that anytime soon no no uh, i don't think their work will get any lighter the load will not get any lighter no so uh it will be an interesting you know starting with the evangelicals for life it'll be a busy year for the rlc Uh, they got that conference coming up later this month in dc yes they definitely do it's going to be an interesting year um all right now let's talk about uh some of the things that we've seen in the bigger stories of of the year Will we see uh, increased giving and in cooperative program dollars and uh, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong offering as a result of all the changes in state funding, uh, IMB changes, obviously some of the focuses that NAM has been doing yeah. uh, and the momentum for church planting. So when we look at these things, CP, Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, we've seen increases this past year. Is that just kind of a thing? Or are we going to see see it continue? I really want to see it continue. Yeah. Long question, short answer. Yes. Okay. There you go. You've <laughs> well, thrown it out there. Well, I, think I love it. You said it before. I've seen and I've seen nothing but positive reviews and everything online. I've seen people. We've busted through our Annie Armstrong offering. We're giving more than we've ever given. We're, we're double last year. We're up fifty percent. We're up eighty percent. You know, every church I'm seeing 
is just absolutely crushing their Lottie Moon offering. Um, yeah. The Annie Armstrong thing, you know, I, I think we'll see that as well. Church planning and the focuses that NAM have, have pushed have become bigger and bigger every year. Uh, I really think that that is going to continue as well. And, and the way NAM and IMB are working together and uh, everything, I, I just see that people on the ground and the SBC, the grassroots at the SBC are really supporting what's going on at NAM and IMB. And I, I see the money coming in bigger and, you know, as well as the CP giving. We're seeing more states give more. We're seeing more states call for more. Uh, I remember just the, the, what Louisiana, you know, their challenges that they issued to their churches. Uh, a lot of churches have taken that 1% challenge as well. Uh, and CP right. giving in 2016, the economy seems to be doing better. Uh, good economy means good offerings most of the time for churches. So right. an increased giving at churches, an increased giving to the SPC. We'll see what happens with that. I, I really think, you know, we're off to a good start already. I just see it all going up. I, you know, I, I think, you know, it's one of these rising tide raises all boats. And, you know, it, it just seems to be on a positive uh, swing right now. And I think giving, we'll look back at 2016 is the biggest year ever for giving in the SBC. Man, I love it. And then I hope we look back at 2017 with the same thing. Yeah. I like the trajectory things are headed. So we'll see what happens in the future. All right. All right. Okay, that's 15. That brings us to our final question here for 16 questions for 2016. What will be the result of the changes at IMB? Amy? Whew. Um, <laughs> I saved the easiest one for you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Man, I don't, I really don't know. I, I know that, as I said last week, what we really thought was kind of the big story was the multiple pathways uh, piece, the sort of changing of parameters, but then with the drawdown, um, I don't know. I think those two things together, what I'm interested to see is that next year we, we're just going to be looking potentially at a very, very different missionary force. Yes. Well, I think this year we'll see those, those multiple pathways, you know, displayed and, and started and, you know, the strategy start to, to flow out for those. And, that's going to be, you know, a little different for some Southern Baptists, and it'll excite some. It'll probably frustrate others. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we're getting more people on the field, which is, is a good thing. Right. 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 And change is never easy. It's never easy for anyone. Um, so there may be some, some challenges as we take those steps. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing what this looks like. And as we talked about, some of the challenges in the world around us, um, what are these sort of multiple pathways? They're going to open up doors that maybe our traditional ways and our traditional force that those doors weren't there. Uh, so I, I'm really, I'm really eager to see this. I'm looking forward to St. Louis, uh, to Dr. Platt's report. Mm -hmm. That's I think going to help us sort of think together and have an opportunity since the, sort of news of the past few months, uh, I think the opportunity for us to gather as messengers and to kind of get behind um, our shared goal in missions, uh, our shared goal to the nations, I think that's going to be uh, a really good thing. Yeah. So. Well, and, you know, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that we need to be changing our methods for missionary sending. The, the world has changed, but our methods of getting people the gospel in the world have not and 
you know, there are a lot of different ways that we can do that now that we couldn't do 20, 30, 40 years ago, just because of technology, travel, communications, different things like that. So uh, I I think this is a moment in IMB's history that they can set up the future of the IMB to be even more successful and, and, and to be able to send more missionaries and activate more people for the gospel to the nations uh, than ever before. So it's exciting to me. I can't wait to see what they roll out here in 2016. And uh, hopefully we'll look back at the end of 2016 and go, man, I'm so excited about the direction of the IMB. Yep. Me too. All right. Well, that's 16 questions for 2016. And that's going to lead us to our favorite part of the week. This week at SBC History, blow our minds, Amy. All right. We're going to go back to 1983. And um, I, was a, I was a wee lad in 83. Yes. I was seven years old. I was um, or actually six. Yeah, I was six. I hadn't turned seven quite yet. Uh, But this was a a really neat thing that happened at First Baptist Dallas. And um, who was the pastor then? W.A. Criswell. Okay, so he was still pastor then. So the story begins in Baptist Press. It says a dream of Pastor W.A. Criswell of First Baptist Church Dallas came true when he presented the balance of the church's $1 million pledge to the cooperative program for 1982. Um, So previous contributions for the year had been 410,000. And then at the end of the year, he was able to give uh, the Texas Baptist executive director, the check for $590,000. This was believed to be the first time any church, any single church gave $1 million through the cooperative program in a single year. That's amazing. So, uh, so yeah. So 1983, it was this week in SBC history that they closed that out, mm -hmm. but the story was really 19 about 1982. Um, and so it, uh, it it was this kind of crazy dream. he, he put it to the um, the the deacons, and there was there was speculation uh, throughout the year. It's the story says that the pledge could be met, but it was at the last deacons meeting that they said we're going to do it. We're going to fulfill this uh, this commitment. So the the beginning of the story talks about how uh, it was a dream um, of his. And then the last statement was from the, uh, executive director in Texas, James Landis. And he said, God, give us more dreamers like W.A. Criswell. So, uh, in, in a lot of our conversations about the cooperative program, about increased giving, I thought this was a really good, good story, uh, to say churches are being challenged all over, uh, to do this. And wow. in some ways, in a monumental way, it all started this week in SBC history. That is fantastic. And uh, I, I just pulled it up real quick because I have access to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The cooperative program giving, and it wasn't just a $1 million, Amy, it went over. It was $1.2 million, $1,209,240. So the year before they'd given 220000 So they gave almost a million dollars more than they did yeah. in 1982. Uh, they did in 1983. So uh, and they've been over the million mark uh, several times since then. Um, biggest gift they gave, gave was in 2004, $1.8 million to the cooperative program. Uh, I'm seeing the numbers I have in front of me show three years giving over a million dollars. Just a yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal thing there from First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Okay, so that'll move us to our resource of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is... Uh, mine is actually an event. Uh, we have a conference coming up 
at Southeastern in a few weeks, the Go Conference. This is our flagship conference. Used to be known as the 2020 Conference. I remember streaming this online last year. I sat around the house and streamed it on the, the big yeah. screen uh, for my Apple TV. Yep. Yep. So this year, uh, the theme is uh, to the ends of the earth. So go to the ends of the earth. Um, and we have this, our speakers are, uh, us- usually we always have uh, Tony Morita. He's kind of the mm-hmm. Um, leader of this conference, and then uh, Dr. Aiken. Uh, but David Platt and Afshin Ziafat are also going to be main speakers. Also going to the end of the alphabet. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. From A to uh, Z, Josh, Afshin Ziafat. Yes. Uh, Josh Vai, who is a, a local worship leader, fantastic. He's going to be leading worship. We'll have several breakout speakers from uh, people around the, the seminary community. So that is going to be January 29th and 30th. Okay. And uh, still time to sign up. I think it's going to be a great, great conference. If we can't make it, we can still live stream it again? Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you, Dan Drennan, for making that possible. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the team at Southeastern for uh, all the work they do. I uh, always enjoy it. I mean, not just Southeastern. There's a lot of the seminaries that do uh, live streaming. I remember when we were at uh, the symposium earlier this year, Midwestern live streamed that. So people could sit around and watch that one. Uh, Southern live streams a lot of their conferences as well. So I, I've sat around and watched watched quite a few. It's it's a great thing. You, you can't replace the opportunity of actually being no. somewhere and, no. and processing things together. But you can't go to everything, no. and so it's it's a big it's a big help to be able to watch and learn. Yep. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, my resource of the week, Unashamed by Lecrae, huge book and uh, new stuff coming out from him this year. So check that out. We'll put the uh, the link to the uh, the video trailer that just dropped last night on New Year's Eve. Uh, we'll put that out on the website too. So check that out. Uh, and Lecrae's got a thing where if you you pre-order the book and you upload a receipt. Uh, to whatever, however they're working that out. You upload the receipt, you get free music. So if you're a big Lecrae fan, go out, pre-order the book, and you get some free music out of it. That's pretty fun. Yeah, so pretty neat thing there. Um, Going to be a big year for Lecrae, big year. Awesome. All right, well, Amy, we've gotten 2016 off to uh, a start. It's it's some kind of start. Not sure if it's a good start or not, so <laughs> we'll have to see. I am looking forward to it. So happy New Year, Jonathan. I hope you have a great day. Here, here we go. We start off a new year of podcasts. So I'm looking forward to getting to have this conversation every week. Yep. And we will see you next week. See you next week.